Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the on the Dave Campbell's podcast network. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you today? I am great. Well, I guess not not after last night's uh, women's basketball game. It's not great, oh, but yeah. I am I am okay. Uh, we have we had like a kind of a, a half and half of success when it comes to basketball. Or, or, or recovering from the women's side. Uh, yeah, man, well, we'll get to that on another episode with Justin, but oh man, that, yeah, that was, yeah. that was rough. <laughs> Shameless plug, go check out the women's basketball podcast we do, uh, we have out at a similar time around this, so check that one out yeah. as well, we have a lot to talk about, we probably have more to talk about on the women's side than the men's side. Probably, um, it's just going to be a but, lot of like hype and like excitement for the men's side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get the highs on this side, because uh, yeah. finally we have men, men's basketball, you know delivering you know it's usually the women's <laughs> right. basketball delivering uh, but the men's basketball kind of delivered here so yeah um yeah we got houston baylor obviously to talk about just those are the two teams we're gonna focus on we've covered everybody else if you have if you want to go listen to us rant about texas you can go back and listen to those podcasts all of those speaking uh, of texas, texas this is the first time we're recording since uh, they had some news drop i, fr- I just realized that Go ahead. I'm... Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know what. I guess we can touch on that a little bit. Um, I don't want to, you know, go yeah. too much. I feel like what's it's the news is already, you know, old. But you know, obviously, Shaka Smart getting the Marquette job, yeah. kind of a mutual breaking, right? Kind of like yeah. a kind of like a Chris Del Conte slightly showing him the door, so they don't have to fire anybody after he brings a conference title home. Yeah. Shaka um, was kind of running to it. It felt like Shaka was, was also definitely yeah. Shaka was definitely running to it. Um, I don't know if you saw his press conference. There were some quotes coming out I of his not. press conference about like it was kind of throwing shade at like the. I saw one quote. I saw one. The only quote what I saw was I was used to VCU where we were filling up the stadium every single. Day and I'm yeah. not taking that for granted anymore. Right. Oh, that that is <laughs> that's something. Um that something. you know, it could have been it could have just been he, you know, he was just loving VCU and all that, and he probably didn't mean anything negative toward Texas, but man, that's some um, I mean, that's obviously the thing when you talk about Texas, right? It's like yeah. that's the the kind of the black cloud is that the Frank Irwin Center is not a great venue. Yeah. Um, it's why they're trying to build their own venue. Yeah. Um and closer to on campus and and just to have a more exclusive um, uh, atmosphere for their fans. But yeah, that was, that was something that I, <laughs> I saw that quote circulating and I was like, man, he couldn't wait to say something, huh? Yep. He has been waiting to say that, but yeah. yeah so, um, but yeah, you know, the names are coming out. Uh, Chris Beard is one, obviously that's, yeah. I think I don't one. want to say that there's something there because I don't know. Right. I don't want to mm-hmm. speculate, but I feel like that the fact that that news hasn't, if the news doesn't die out as far as Chris Beard's concerned in the next week, I'd say he's contemplating something because Texas to me is a, obviously is a top job, right? Along yeah. before Indiana filled, it was probably the highest profile job available right now. Um, and I think that the only problem with the Texas job is the Texas identity. And I mentioned this yeah. on Twitter a little bit. I have an article up on Texas basketball where I talked about, uh, I named four candidates. And I basically say, when, when trying to combat the Chris Beard speculation, I basically say that he's getting paid $5 million roughly at, at Tech um, a year. Or no, $6 million a year at Tech. Tech is okay paying a basketball coach higher than Matt Wells. 
Yeah. Right. They're okay being a, a basketball school that's competitive in football, right? They obviously want to be competitive, but they're okay being a basketball powerhouse and treating Chris Beard like a god. Texas isn't like that. Like, mm-hmm. Texas isn't, I don't know if they want to pay Chris Beard because obviously they have to match six mil. Yeah. So they have to match that, probably exceed that. So six and a half to seven mil. That'd be a that'd be half a that'd be a mil and a half, potentially two mil more than they play Steve Sarkeesian. I don't know if that's something that Texas is going to want to do. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that's the biggest hurdle for me when it comes to Chris Beard is just, I don't know if they're willing to shell out, you know, they obviously want to be Kentucky and all that, but do they want to shell out John Calipari money, right? Just to, you know, somebody of that stature. Yep. And so that brings you down to um, the Grant McCaslin's and I'll, I'll calm down North Texas fans. I don't think they're going to get it, go after Grant McCaslin. I think they have, I think they probably have, I think their prop their biggest fear is probably Oklahoma right now, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, because he that's probably more of a yep. uh, a shift that they're willing to make. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Texas interviewed Royal Ivy. I think they have a I think they have a few names that maybe we haven't uh, Yeah, Royal, Royal Ivy's a yeah, Royal Ivy's a really good one. I like Royal Ivy a lot. I think that he'd be somebody that could buy himself some time because he had that sentimental connection with the fans yeah. to where you know first year head coach he obviously inherited a program that's kind of i don't want to say in the gutter but you know there's no really momentum behind it after this uh yeah. recruiting classes left um this greg brown kai jones kind of uh, prospect list going to the nba um and so yeah so he'd have some he's have some leeway and i think it, it creates some buzz like you know royal ivy coming back yeah, to the program would be sure. a big deal and so I think I really think that'd be a, a really beneficial hire to for for Cristo Conti. Yeah. Um, a couple other names, obviously, I, I mentioned Porter Mosier. Um, I go into him why he's actually not a crazy hire uh, in the article, and yeah, there's, there, it's an interesting time to have this job. Like I, I I wouldn't be shocked if if Beard says no, they try to flex their muscles and go get Brad Underwood right from Illinois, like Bruce Pearl um, or something, something right, some because Cristo Conti. It's interesting because when it came to football, he obviously didn't go for a splash hire. He just had a guy in Steve Sarkeesian that he really liked. Yeah. But on women's basketball, he went for a splash hire. He's like, screw it. I'm going to go steal Vic Schaefer, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious where his mind's thinking right now, where it's like, is this a program that needs to be built? If it is, then okay, then maybe somebody like a Royal Ivy can construct it in his image with the expectation that it's going to take about a year or two. Um, or is this something where it's like, yeah, I'm going to go steal Brad Underwood and we're going to go, you know, uh, try to compete for another big 12 title next year, or like, you know, in a couple of years. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, it's, it's now that's my long spiel on that. Uh, it's, I think it was healthy of a break. Um, it was clear that neither party was really happy <laughs> with Shaka Smart or, or Texas. So it was a healthy breakup. It was a healthy breakup, man. You, you can't, you can't, you can't hope for so, uh, <laughs> hope for anything better than that. And Marquette's a good job. Like Marquette's a yeah, really good job. So, you know, good for shock for landing it on his is. feet. It is. All right. Well, I can already hear Houston and Baylor fans yelling at us for making this. I know. Right. Oh, how'd you make it about Texas, Texas. already? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it is, it is an interesting predicament Texas is in. So we'll definitely be watching that over the off season. Uh, but let's get to the NCAA tournament here. Houston, Baylor. We'll start with Houston. Houston uh, beats Syracuse in the Sweet 16, 62 to 46. If you want to touch on this real quick, I, 
I was amazed by their zone offense. It was fluid. It was rhythmic. They were, they didn't shoot. I mean, they didn't shoot great, but they shot well enough. Uh, it was distributed scoring, uh, offensive rebounds were, I mean, they didn't, I think they only had 11 in that game. Yeah. Uh, and then they just shut down Bayheim and the three point shooting of Syracuse. And that was pretty much it. I was very, very impressed by the 62 to 46 win. From yeah. It started off a little shaky. I was a little worried at first because, mm -hmm. uh, it was. It started to look like a lot of that Syracuse crap that I talked yes. about, where it's just like Houston forgetting how to shoot, and it was like, oh god, this is gonna be yeah. some sloppy team shooting in the twenty five percent range uh, for the whole game. But no, Houston just kicked it into gear, and it was clear the better team was. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned it defensively; they were just just stellar. Like, I mean, Buddy yeah. Beheim had no room to do anything. It was, yeah. it was the game I hoped to see when when these two got linked. Yep. So that was a lot of fun. Yep. Syracuse ended up shooting 28% from the field. Uh, this is the Houston defense we expected and mm -hmm. uh, needed to see. Uh, then they went and beat Oregon State 67 to 61 in a game that they controlled pretty much the whole way. But I was waiting for them to put them put Oregon State away. Yeah. Um, just just you know put it away at by 15 <laughs> with eight minutes left or something like that. And they Oregon right. State continued to hang around, continued to hit some shots, uh, but eventually. Uh, Houston did prevail and Sasser and Grimes both had pretty really good games. They had 19 mm -hmm. offensive rebounds and you know, the defense did its job. Yeah. This one, I mean, this one looked like it was going to run away early. I think they were up, up 20, I think with just before or not 20, I almost got to 20, um, before 34, 17 time. at halftime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, it was like pretty well in control. And then like in the midway through the second half, you're just like, all right, what's kind of happening here. Right. Yeah. They cut the lead to single digits. I think it got to two at one point. Um, luckily Houston was good enough to keep it at that point, or it tied up at one point, I'm pretty sure at 55. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Grimes hit some huge shots and it just kind of put things to bed. But this was, this was Houston basketball, right? We mentioned the defense. They basically doubled them up on the offensive boards more than doubled them. Uh, Oregon stayed up on the offensive boards. And a lot of people were starting to realize like, Oh, Houston's not a good, like a good shooting team, but they just get so many boards and they just put up so many shots that they're able to crash the boards with such relentlessness. And so you mentioned Sasser and Grimes. I mean, they combined for 23 attempts from three. Like that's insane. Yes. And so, and they didn't, and again, they didn't shoot well. They shot nine, uh, uh, roughly nine to 23, right? It's fine. It's decently, yeah, it's not but bad. not great. Um, but it's not spectacular either. Yeah. And so, but they were all, again, they were also crashing the boards because they know, okay, if I jack up this shot, you know, these guys are going to come down with it, right? Justin Gorm is going to come down with it. Fabian White's going to come down with it. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. They had 19 offensive boards to Oregon State's seven. And I don't know, I was watching, there was some clips on YouTube of Houston's practices. I don't know if you've seen their practices. They have a scramble drill that is that. ferocious. Like that is that. nasty. And it's it makes so much sense that these guys play that way because 50-50 balls is just literally what Kelvin Sampson just drills into these guys. He's like every 50, 50 ball, every scramble opportunity. That's us. Yeah. It's so, it's so weird. Cause I mean, I've seen a lot of coaches do those type of scramble drills where they start sure. up there and let them no fouls. You just, just elbow. It doesn't matter. Do it. But the way that they've done it. And I've just, every time I watch them, I'm just like, this is, 
pro- probably the best offensive rebound team I've ever seen. Like, this is just incredible the way they do it. And so it's like, what makes them special? And it's like, it's not the athletes. Fabian White's a big dude, obviously. Cheney's a, pr- a pretty big dude, but like Gorham is six, eight, six, seven. Yeah. Like, he's just a monster. And so it's a lot of it's just mindset, a lot of it's personnel. Um, I even joked at a certain point in the Oregon State game when they hit a lull on offense, I was like, honestly, just shoot a three and just go get the rebound. Like that's, and they did a couple of times. I don't know how many uh, second chance points they got, but in the second half, uh, I think it was Grimes or or Sasser shot a three, missed it. They got an offensive rebound, missed a putback, got the offensive rebound, kicked out for three and hit a three. That was one possession I remember in my head. And I'm just like, yeah, just throw it up there, man. Just (laughs) at the end of the day, the offensive rebounding is serious and it can be their best offense in some cases, especially when offensive rebounds turn into threes good look threes on an offense that Houston, which we talked about is not a fluid offense. That's going to generate these wide open looks all the time Mm -hmm. hard enough to do that at the college level. So the offense rebounds really just give them another level of scoring that teams struggle to uh, combat along with the fact that the first one could go in. So um, it's just playing those percentages, getting up 15 more shots than Oregon state. I do want to highlight Dejan Giroux because mm. man, he has just become my favorite player on this team by far. Like he's, so he, I already watching. really loved him, but in this tournament, it's just his value has just been on display every single game. And he ended up the Oregon State game with 10, 8, and 8 with two blocks um, and a steal. <laughs> and it's just like, I, I love the way he plays. It's yeah, such that's an a point guard, by the way. A, yeah, it's <laughs> such an advantage having a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, point guard that is long, can fend, and just does everything for this team. So big shout-out to yeah. Dejan Giroux. I loved, I loved how he played and the, the way Houston was able to win these two games. Oh, for sure. I mean, especially when, you know, needing their guard play to step up, right, after Caleb Mills leaves this year, yeah. um, their guard play really needed to, to come through. And he's been the guy that's just kind of taken everything. And and him and Sasser, of course, have just kind of taken that backcourt and really kept things going. Um, been those guys to back up Quentin Grimes in, in big ways and big moments. Um, I was talking to my friend during this game, and he's like, this is like how – because we always like uh, when it comes to like high profile um, programs, we always kind of gave Roy Williams a lot of slack for, for not getting the big recruits like Duke does and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But North Carolina is always there in the mix. And even a couple of years ago, obviously made the national title and this is how they do it. Right. He's, he is another emphasis, uh, a big emphasizer on, um, on offensive rebounding. Yeah. And like, it just shows that you don't need to have, and of course, Houston has guys like Quentin Grimes and Tremont Mark, right? They're getting big time recruits. But when it comes to just like competing at the highest level, that is just, it's such a great equalizer. Like we mentioned, Houston's not a good shooting team. Like they're not even like, they're, they're kind of, I'm trying to look right now. They're 136. The they're 136th in effective field goal percentage, right? They're 113th in three point percentage. They're 190th in two point percentage. They're not great, right? That's technically in the green. Like they're in the upper half of the of all the teams in the country. But like all their good, all their elite metrics are on defense, and they have one elite or two elite metrics in um, offense, not turning the ball over and offensive rebounds. They are second in the nation behind North Carolina and Roy Williams in offensive rebounds. And 
Yeah, that, it just shows, like you mentioned, like if they're in a slump, it doesn't matter. Just shoot a shot and they'll just crash the board, get a bunny put back or something. Or if you're, you know, uh, the buzzer beater that they had. Uh, uh, I forgot. Um, I already forgot the team that they beat on the buzzer beater. Um, uh, bu- 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 uh, uh, Rutgers. Um, was it oh, Rutgers? yeah. No. Yeah, Rutgers. Um, it was it was a random shot that Tremont Mark just went up and got a putback, right? Yeah. And, and won. And so those type of buckets is just what this team and like the best part about that is like Houston can rally around that right not even just the school but like the the city right they can rally around a bunch of dudes who are just giving their all for you know 48 minutes right they can you know just you're never going to see them not die for loose balls you're never going to see them not uh, put their put everything on the line and I like Houston's such a swaggered city like that, that they can yeah. really rally, rally behind that, that, you know, Fi Slamma Jamma had the flash and all that stuff. And this team kind of goes in the opposite direction. It's like, this is a blue collar team. That's just all about, you know, uh, energy and yep. in an energy in another way. And yeah, no, this is, I'm excited for this game. We'll talk yep. about it in a bit, but yeah, yep. uh, Houston's so impressive. Yep. That's all I had on, on Houston. Let's, let's get to Baylor. Uh, Baylor uh, beats Villanova 62 to 51. Uh, the offense was shaky. They went three of 19 from three. They had nine mm-hmm. assists. Um, I was worried for pockets of this game that they weren't mm-hmm. going to be able to put it away. Uh, but the defense really just carried them. The defense was tremendous. They held four, 16 turnovers, five blocks, eight steals. And a lot of those really opened up what uh, Baylor wanted to do. And they were able to control the pace of the game at that point, And their guards just kind of took over. So um, I like I said, I was worried for moments of this game and rightfully so because Villanova uh, led for a lot of this game. I don't have the exact time led up, but Villanova's yeah. biggest lead was seven, which was at halftime. And it was concerning that Baylor wasn't able to shoot the ball well and they weren't able to really create good looks. That was yeah. so it, it looked like the Baylor that we were concerned about. In a, yeah, in a way. Yeah, I think that I think they want to say they led like basically like midway through the first half through like I want to say midway through the second half or like mm-hmm. maybe like 12 ish minutes in the second half um, when they finally tied it up. Yeah, it, it looked worrisome mainly because, like you mentioned, Baylor wasn't hitting and Baylor's a team that, you know, for all their defensive defensive prowess the past couple of years has been a team that this year has just been able to shoot the lights out. Um and they were not hitting at all. And luckily for them, and I don't know how painful it was for you to watch, Villanova also wasn't hitting. Yes, <laughs> and, yes. so, and so they go from hitting everything <laughs> in their previous games <laughs> to not just, I think they shot three of 17 from yeah, three. Yeah, North, North Texas uh, shooting guard tweeted, uh, oh, now they want to miss. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, right, exactly. And so like literally when they have like a monumental upset on their in their hands right they just need to hit like not even not even threes at a 40 percent clip like a 30 percent clip and they probably you know go up 10 15 potentially on baylor um they just can't hit anything and so it's like okay well luckily neither team's hitting anything and eventually that's going to go in baylor's favor because their defense is going to get around their guards are better at getting to the rim than villanova's are and that's kind of eventually what happened. The threes really never started to fall for Baylor. Um, yeah. I think maybe Flagler hit a couple, um, mm-hmm. but that was it. Uh, uh, Meyer did not really do well. Butler didn't do well from three. And yeah, it was kind of the Davion Mitchell and Adam Flagler show. And then yeah. uh, um, actually, yeah, Flagler, I was going to mention Chacho too, but it was mainly Flagler. Yeah. Um, 
off the, the bench. So. The uh, the Villanova guards struggled at a certain point. You can't, you couldn't play Archie Diakono for them. I mean, Moore mm-hmm. and Daniels were were more more had probably the best game of anyone on the team besides Samuels, but. Daniels went one of 11. They really didn't have, they don't have that depth anymore at guard. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's tough for them to create consistently against a good Baylor defense. And I, it, it's weird because I, we're going to get to the second game, but the second game I was flipped, right? Baylor's offense was great against Arkansas and then, or mm-hmm. I shouldn't say great, but it was good, very good against Arkansas. Um, but the defense didn't seem like they could stop them. And so now we're in this like weird situation where it's like, Baylor can't go three to 19 and beat Houston. Probably mm-hmm. not. Baylor can't definitely can't go three to 19 and beat Gonzaga. So it's like, this has to be the end of yeah. the Bash Unites. Cause they played again, they shot better against Arkansas, but this Villanova game was concerned because Villanova is kind of like North Texas all kind of like a machine in a way. They just continue to go, to go, to go. Robinson Earl is a very mm-hmm. good player. They have really good players, but Baylor, I expected to, win this game pretty comfortably and if they would have they they and i still think that they should have just because of the way the talent is is i think they have way more talent than villanova without gillespie sure, sure. so now i'm in this weird position where it's like how do i expect them to play against houston how do i expect them to play against gonzaga and those are all future things we'll get to the, the houston game in a minute but this game just didn't really didn't sit well with me for sure. for that reason that's fair. Um, we can move on to Arkansas. I think the, the only thing, you know, people, some people may say, oh, they won by, you know, double digits or whatever against Villanova. That didn't happen until like the last four minutes, right? Like they real that's when they went on that run. And I was like, okay, you know, the scoreboard looks better than it actually was. But yeah. it wasn't that, it wasn't an 11 point game, right? It was, I'd say like a six to seven point win and would have been probably more justified. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, moving on to Arkansas, moving on to Arkansas. I mean, you know, it was a little similar to like, you know, what you were saying, where it's like a little bit of a reversal where, you know, their defense and that's, that was kind of to be expected, right? Arkansas is a really good offensive team. Yeah. Um, Musselman's done a really good job. I thought, I, I mean, it looked like Baylor was going to blow this out, right? Like from the jump, it looked like, I want to say they went up 21, nine. It was, um, yeah, it was, yeah. I think it was 17, four. Mm-hmm. And then it was like 21, nine. And it continued yeah. that and then Arkansas just made a push. Sure. Sure. And so, yeah, it was it was really weird because it was kind of a game of of runs. It felt like like mm-hmm. Baylor came out strong, Arkansas came back out and really got back into the game, and then Baylor just kind of proved that it had like you know the offense really kicked in the gear, and there was a couple transition shots where it was like oh right Mayer, oh right Teague, oh right Mitchell, right? It was like it was one of those where it's like yeah. you realize Baylor has like probably, I mean outside of Gonzaga, probably you know the best four um, offensive weapons in the country right now. Yeah. Um, and so it was one of those like flex your muscles on that side of the ball type of games just during moments of that game. Yeah. I'm um, trying to look at the point distribution. Yeah. I mean, Maceo Teague at 22. Yeah. Um, Jared Mitchell had 14. Uh, uh, Jared Butler at 14. Davion Mitchell had 12. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was just like one of those moments. And my mayor only had seven, but there were some moments where it's like, okay, he hit a three. Then there were some moments where he put the ball on the floor and it was like, oh, right, this guy can get to the bucket. And he ended up having like three steals. And it was just like, okay, that's the backcourt that we kind of expected to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Baylor ends up shooting 48.4% from the field, 53% from three, 77% from the free throw line. And 
I think you, you put it well in that Baylor. So it was like Baylor went up, then Arkansas came back, and then Baylor continued to hold like a 10-point lead the entire game, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, Arkansas cut it to like six and then four a couple times. Um, but Baylor continued to be able to score with Davion Mitchell. I mean, Davion Mitchell was really the star in the second half, even though Macy Oteague ended with the most points. Davion Mitchell, yeah. those isolations they had, uh, they didn't even need to get switches in a lot of those. They just literally said, all right, go by Justin Smith, go by mm-hmm. Moses Moody, go by J- J- Jalen Tate, like just go. And they just ran a four flat. I mean, they, they, they did a little isolation uh, actions to get him some space and mm-hmm. he was able to deliver big buckets and i mean the 12 points he had were because in the first half he only played like what like 10 minutes something like that after he got like that, yeah. it was very low and so to be able to see davion mitchell be able to do that at a, on a consistent basis the entire country was kind of raving over him at that point they were just like all right this guy's a lottery pick like all that stuff and he is um but he didn't have to shoot a three he went six of 11 from the field without shooting a three which is just incredible um, so I want to give major props to Davion Mitchell for the way he was able to just get to the rim when they needed him. Because like I said, there were times where Arkansas didn't look like they were going to miss. Mm-hmm. And then Davion Mitchell settled them down. Jared Butler was fine. I'm still waiting on Jared Butler to kind of just, I don't want to say take over a game because they don't need him to take over a game, but it's just sure. put a little bit more of an imprint on the game. He shot four of 11 from the field, which was fine. Two of three from three, which is fine. Five assists, three turnovers, mm-hmm. which is all fine. But um, Jared Butler is Jared Butler, and I hold him to a high, very high standard. So, um, but Macy O.T., like you said, eight, eight of 18 from the field, 22 points. I loved him. Adam Flagler and Meyer off the bench were great as well. One thing I do want to highlight, yeah, the reason why I was so concerned with this game was because in the first half, after Bailey got that lead, Arkansas didn't just start making shots, which they Baylor started – having some blown coverages and that's mm-hmm. not like Scott Drew's defense and sure. they were miscommunicating. They were giving up some layups. They're giving up some open looks from three. And I'm just like, this can't be happening here. This again, this can't be happening. This is the elite eight here. And you're going to let an Arkansas team linger around here that I, and again, I think this Baylor team is good enough to put them away and they mm-hmm. didn't put them away with their defense. And so that was another concern of mine. What do you think? I think that's fair. Um, there were some moments that, like you mentioned, where it was like, okay, there's definitely some like, you know, inconsistencies here with a lot of the defense that they were doing. Um, the one thing I don't, I don't know if it's just like that they feel so confident in their offense this year. Like last Mm -hmm. year, this wouldn't happen, right? Last year, this team, this game would have been put away defensively. Um, but I just don't know if it was like, it was the fact that their offense is so good that, you know, every time Arkansas made a run, right. Then there was the Jared Butler three, then there was the Macy Oteague three. And so they're good enough to weather the storm and then just hit that back breaking shot on the other end. Um, So I don't know. And that's a good point. And I'm curious. I really am curious if that's really going to come back to bite them in this game, because in this next game against Houston, because I mean, you know, we mentioned it, Houston's not a good shooting team either. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, that could obviously you could hurt them on the offensive glass, but it might not be a case where, you know, these lapses in offense don't really come back to be that detrimental to them. Um, It will absolutely against a Gonzaga. Like this, if this happens in the national title, they're getting beat by 20 by Gonzaga. Gonzaga is not, you know, and that's off, of course, assuming they be UCLA, but you know, we'll see Um, probably, but, um, but yeah, like Gonzaga's a team like Gonzaga is not going to let that, slide and 
So I'm wondering if if it's just them getting away with it for just so long, right? You have you mentioned we mentioned Villanova, right? Villanova's a good offense that could be able to take advantage of that. They didn't shoot well. Um, Arkansas was good enough to take advantage of it, but their defense wasn't good enough to get stops. And so I'm wondering if it's just them maybe playing with fire a little bit on that side mm-hmm. because they haven't against Wisconsin. They did against Wisconsin. They really kind of showed that they could be that defensive yes. force. Um, so you know they do have it still in them. But yeah, I do want to hint on a uh, hit on two players. Obviously, uh, I'll get to Mitchell in a bit, but Butler, yeah, that's a good point that you mentioned about Butler because this is a guy who came in. I'm going to read off his final one, two, three, four, seven games heading into the tournament. So Kansas, 17, 29 points, or no, sorry, no, uh, 25 points, 22 points, 18 points, 18 points, 16 points since the tournament. 13, 16, 9, 14, right? So he's not, like you mentioned, he's not quite getting to that level that we're used to seeing at play. And again, it's because Davion Mitchell's taken up a lot of that. Um, he's kind of blossoming. Like I, I put on Twitter, like I think he's turned into a lottery pick in this in this tournament. He's been yeah. insane on both ends. He's, I th- I'm wondering how much Scott Drew regrets maybe not having him handle the ball a little bit more um, mm-hmm. in the regular season. Cause like you mentioned, he's just, a t- his first step has gotten so much better. Um, they're able to just isolate him and just absolutely have him terrorize uh, a, a mismatch guard on him. Uh, but defensively he's been stellar too. So I think, yeah, I think he's going to be an instant contributor for some team lingering around the playoffs uh, in yeah. the NBA right now. Yeah. Like uh like a, a Boston or something. That's yeah. my fear is like Boston's going to snag him and he's going to be like the new Marcus smart, but somebody who can shoot threes. And yeah. so like, yeah. that's, that's my biggest worry is that he's just yeah. going to go to them and take them to a new level. But, um, but yeah, so Jared Butler, his numbers have been, I'm trying to look right now. He only scored. I think he was averaging like 12 and a half coming into this game in the, in the three tournament games or something like that. Probably something like that. Yeah. Like I'm trying to look, he only had one, his Kansas game, which he had five was the only single digits. It was the only game he scored below not uh, like nine since yeah. January, mid January. Yeah. And so like he'd been putting up, you know, 15 plus and 18 plus for basically the whole leading into the tournament and, you know, they're winning, so they don't need him to, but you know, if, if it gets down to it, yeah. kind of want him to see to put the cape on and we'll see. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like I might be, I, I don't, I, I'm holding Baylor to this super high standard and, you know, they're winning games and it's like, all right, they're, they're in the final four for God's mm-hmm. sakes. Like at some point, um, I think I'm well, just, be, look- go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, to be fair, I mean, we thought, you know, heading into the year, we thought Baylor and Gonzaga were the two best teams. Gonzaga's looked like the best team. Exactly. Right. Same Baylor's way. looked good. I'm yeah. not saying they're not one of the best teams, but if you ask me right now, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Ken Palm has basically the number, the number two team in the country as a toss up between Baylor and Houston. Yeah. Right. Gonzaga is the clear number one in, in Ken Palm ratings. And they've looked like that. They have not been challenged at all. We thought USC was going to give them a challenge. That yes. was not, that was like, I was watching Drew Tim look at Evan Mobley like he was a YMCA player. And it's like, that that dude's going to be like the number two pick. And like yeah. <laughs> Drew Timmy's like, I don't care. Like, yep. I'm just taking it to you. Jalen yep. Suggs is going to be a top three pick too. So, yeah, yep. so that, I mean, that, that's, again, that's what we're holding them to at this point, because it's not about, can you beat Villanova or can you beat Arkansas? It's can you beat Gonzaga and can you can beat you Houston even, even? Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, can you beat Houston? That was a lot of people saying like, ah, oh, man, you know, we, we thought Baylor and Gonzaga were the best two teams in the country. I'm like, 
have you has anybody really been impressed with Baylor more than Houston? Yeah, that's the question. Right. Like I think it's been a toss-up for me. And yeah. so uh I think I'm looking at the Kempom projections right now. We can get into the preview. Yeah. Um the last thing I will say about Baylor while you get those it. projections up. Yeah. Uh the last thing I'm gonna say about Baylor just on an individual basis before we get to the matchup is they really have a tendency of going on these runs, right? They have like mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. big run a game like wisconsin they went on that crazy run to close the half i think it was that really everybody was like oh my gosh baylor's back they're doing it uh against villanova they made the late run to put them away uh against arkansas they had the early run and Mm -hmm. then they held on for the rest of time so like you said they've shown it they have the consistency on both ends to be a great great team like an all-time great college basketball team they've shown the flashes but they haven't been consistent enough and that's what's kind of hurt them in the past two rounds and even against the Wisconsin a little bit. So um, they're going to have to be consistent against Houston. And uh, if they make the championship, if they, uh, whoever they play there. So let's get into yeah. this game against Houston. What, what's the projections looking like? Man, Ken Palm has it a one point game, 72, Ooh. 71. Baylor's a slight favorite, but yes, yeah, 72, 71 is his projected score. Um, these teams are, I don't want to say mirror images of each other, but because Baylor's obviously a much better shooting team. Yeah. But when you look at the strengths for Houston, they're not necessarily weaknesses for Baylor. Like offensive rebounding, Baylor's seventh when they're on in terms of offensive rebounding. Question, um, question, question. Yeah. What is what is I don't know if you have this up. What is Baylor yeah. on defensive rebounding? Uh defensive rebound, they are ooh, they are not good. They they're low, right? 73rd. Yeah. See, that was so, that was the concern here. That's and Houston is concern. Houston is, I mean, they're not great. They're 151st, but they're you know, leagues better than Baylor is defensive rebounding. So yeah. Both team, I mean, and the makeup of the teams are similar too, right? They're both undersized somewhat, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. we got Flo Thamba and 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 and, Ch- and Samuel Chachua um, making up size for Baylor, but you know, as far as their core rotation, right? Obviously, it's vital, and yeah. you know, vital versus uh, Gorham is going to be, you know, it's undersized big matchup, and so that's going to be fascinating to see because obviously Baylor's. I don't want to say giving up defensive rebounding, but they're basically saying we know our strength isn't defensive rebounding, so. Mm-hmm. They're going to give probably – they might get – I mean, I don't want to say doubled up, but they might get doubled up on the offensive boards because I think – because Houston's not as bad of a defensive rebounding team and can combat against Baylor's offensive boards yep. uh, as opposed to Baylor competing against Houston's offensive boards. I mean, you look at Baylor versus Arkansas, and Arkansas has some big – Arkansas rebounded them for what it's worth. I mean, Arkansas mm-hmm. – uh, brought down they both brought down 11 offensive rebounds and mm-hmm. Arkansas grabbed five more defensive rebounds which defensive rebounds can be a product of missed shots but still yeah sure um the off I mean this could be a game where both teams get double digit offensive rebounds like this could be a game where Baylor hits the offensive glass really hard and if they're not shooting well then they really might muck it up um the most interesting scenario is if Baylor just shoots average right they, if they shoot mm-hmm. like seven of 19 from three which is fine it's probably about 30 was at 35 percent something like that but mm-hmm. that's not the percentage that's going to kill houston then we're talking like okay the door is really here for houston and so yeah. um and that's again that's assuming houston just gets de- uh solid shooting production production from their guards right so mm-hmm. if they're both if the shooting is the same because at this point in basketball's evolution a lot of it comes down to who shoots the ball better but in college basketball it can a lot of other things matter. This isn't the NBA in that regard. So yeah, can Houston generate more shots, which they've done the, the entire season? Is Houston gonna be able to generate eight to ten more shots than Baylor? That's yeah. that's gonna be an interesting area here. And then 
I look at the one-on-one matchups. Can Quentin Grimes get his shot late in the clock? Uh, I think Sasser is less of a creator, but can he do that a little bit? Jerome, can he create off the dribble if Butler's on him? I, the individual matchups in this game are incredible. Mm-hmm. I'd say, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be so much fun to watch. And I think the, the most intriguing ones for me are going to be Flagler and Mark off the bench for both teams. Because Flagler has been really excellent for Baylor, obviously all season long, but particularly in the tournament too. He's been really, really good. Mark has struggled a lot. And especially in the last game, there were some games, there were some moments where Kelvin Sampson was visibly upset with Tremont Mark. And for a good reason, he was making bad decisions. I think when Oregon State switched to the zone, um, he didn't really know how to penetrate that zone. Mm -hmm. Um, even some moments against Syracuse, it wasn't exactly the most the most polished thing. Um, I'm trying to bring up his uh, tournament numbers right now because again, he was a guy who really stepped up heading into the tournament. Uh, just over the season, he had 15 against Cleveland State, so eight, six, and zero. Right, so he didn't yeah. play great. He hasn't played great in the tournament, especially in the past uh, since the round of 32. So he's somebody who's probably going to have to be. Uh, I don't, you know, obviously not one of the better players, but he's gonna have to contribute a lot more than he has. Um, he, because I think he's the potential mismatch. I think he could potentially, like, you know, I think he could go at Adam Flagler, right? I, you know, obviously Davion Mitchell is gonna be probably zoning in on Quentin Grimes. Um, Jared Butler is gonna be taking on Sasser or Giroux, probably Giroux. Um, and yeah, that's gonna leave somebody for that's gonna be needing to take on, you know, whenever Flagler's on the floor, um, yeah. go at Macy Oteague a little bit, like, you know, and those aren't exactly bad defenders, but they're, you know, they're 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 not Mitchell and, and Butler. Yeah. So I think Tremont and Mark's gonna really need a big game because especially when Baylor, because they're gonna go on runs, right? They're gonna yeah. try to go on those runs. Houston's gonna have to weather those storms, and I think they're good enough to. They're good enough to limit those runs, but I don't know if the issue for me is always going to be, can they not only hit the big shots, which they were able to do against the Oregon States against uh, Syracuse, whenever they tried to make something happen, but also, you know, whenever they're not hitting the shots, right. What happens then? What, 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 what does Kelvin Sampson come up with then to be able to generate something, right? Is it the yeah. Oregon state strategy of screw it, just jack something up and get aboard. Right. Yeah. It's, I'm just here trying to contemplate what I think could happen here because I, <laughs> where we've been, we've been talking about it while Houston's defense has been consistently better or at least more consistent than Baylor's sure. in this sure. tournament. Mm-hmm. Houston's also been, I think the only team ever to only play double digit seeds to get here. And I'm not saying that as that's a point. I'm not that's, saying uh, I'm yeah. I'm, again, it's not to say that they haven't played anybody because they have Syracuse legitimately deserved to be there. Oregon state mm-hmm. legitimately deserved to be there. Um, but now you're going against Baylor and this is a Baylor team that I'll be, like we said, hasn't been as consistent. They beat Villanova, beat Arkansas to get here. Houston, I think is better than both of those teams, but Houston's defense, defensive consistency is going to be, I think what I'm looking for at this game. I think that's going to be the difference at this point, because I think, like we said, the rebounding kind of cancels out in this, in a sense, I think the both teams have really good guards. So if both guards play well, then it's interesting. Um, I think they both, sh- I like you said, Baylor is a better shooting team, but Houston is capable of somewhat matching them from three. I mean, they shot uh, mm-hmm. 11 to 32 from three against Oregon state. Um, I think it comes down to Houston's defense. Can Sasser, Grimes and Giroux slow down, 
the three guards of Baylor. And if they can do that, if they can force turnovers, which Baylor doesn't do, if mm. they can just get them uncomfortable, work them late in the clock, make this a little bit of a under 70 game. I think Houston has a real shot here. I feel like I'm trying to talk myself into it. So <laughs> I'm, I think Baylor should be the favorite. And I think I'm going to pick Baylor, mm. but there are avenues in which Houston can actually have a really good chance down the stretch. Sure. Sure. I think, yeah, I, I think you bring they're, up the, they're definitely. Yeah. And you bring up the good point about the runs too. I mean, Baylor's going to mm-hmm. go on that run is Houston able to make those timely shots when it matters. And that's going to come down to, I think Quinn Grimes, while he's been good, he, he's going to have to have play probably his best game of the season at this point. And that's probably. Gonna be big. Yeah. It's yeah. I think I'm with you on Baylor. I think I'm picking Baylor as well. Um, I think Baylor should be the slight favorite. Um, mainly because the avenues for them to win the game there it's multiple right yes. i could see them obviously you know obviously going on big runs hitting a lot of shots and kind of making this a little bit more open and i could also see them winning a sloppy game or i can see them scrapping with houston because that was their identity last year when they didn't have this shooting yeah. um and so i think they're okay in both kind of in in multiple scenarios i Houston has to win a sloppy game, right? Houston has to win a tough game to where they're beating them on the offensive glass when they're kind of really making things difficult for them. I want to say they're uh, Houston is, yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're a decent three point defending team, right? They're not, or actually, no, no, they're one of the best. Sorry, they're top 10. I'm looking at the wrong numbers. They're top 10 in three point defense, right? Roughly. Yeah. Um, so they are, you know, that is something that where they can limit Baylor if they can really close out. And that's what Houston did. They close out so hard. Frenetic. Yeah, so frenetic, so so energetic on that side, uh, particularly on the three-point line. Um, I am curious because, yes, they are frenetic in terms of closeouts, but their defense is also really predicated on the inside. They really limit inside looks. And to the point where they're going to give up some looks, right? And that's where where their energetic closeouts have to be on point because – they basically say, you know, hey, we're going to double you in the post. Anytime you go in the post, we're going to try to, we're going to double you. We're going to, you know, uh, try to trap you and make you make an errant pass. And that's how they force the turnovers. Um, but that also means if they get a pass out to the outlet, somebody might be open from three. Yeah. And I was watching an interview with Kel- Kellen Sampson um, where he talked a little bit about that, where he's like, yeah, if they, if they make, you know, that wild pass that gets an open look, like, you know, that's something they have to live with. Um and that's you know it's worked obviously so far because it's hard to pass out of a double out of a double yeah. in the post out of a trap, but I, I I don't know like is Mark I mean I don't know how many times they're gonna you know obviously go to Mark Vital in the post probably not at all but yeah. um, when they get in those situations because even even when like Butler somebody goes in the post they double anybody um, if they're able to get those passes out that's a problem because even as good of a three point sh- uh, defending team as they are you know, they're, they're playing the best. They're playing literally the best team in the country when it comes to that. So Yeah, and a team that has multiple, multiple shooters. Like if they bring they're going to play a four-out a four out offense when yeah. uh, Mayer, Meyer comes in. Yeah, and, Meyer and know. Flagler off the bench. You go down the list of shooters that this team has and the versatility they have at the five with that they can do with lineups um, is another very, very challenging thing to defend with Thamba, uh, uh, Meyer, and Chamo. So... Mm-hmm. There are, like you said, I think there are more avenues for Baylor to win here. I don't think that's shocking anybody. I think Baylor, Baylor's a five-point favorite in Vegas. Um, 
that line i don't i don't know what i would take on that personally that's a that's a very interesting line but mm-hmm. it's going it, to in in some ways Baylor has been susceptible to not playing its best and if like i said if Baylor goes 3 of 19 from 3 they're not going to win this game so because yeah, that's 100%. that means that it's going to be an uglier game that means Houston's defense is going to be bothering them and that means presumably human could Houston could force more turnovers that's another stat to watch is who turns the ball over more and if sure. it is Baylor then Houston has a great 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 chance at pulling off the upset here and it would be an upset let's sure. not yeah as great as Houston is Baylor this entire season has been 1A, 1B with Gonzaga. Like at this point, we all know Gonzaga is better, but the whole season mm-hmm. has been Baylor right there. Baylor number two. Baylor. Houston's had to work. Houston mm-hmm. has had to tear through their AAC schedule. They've been hit with, you know, COVID pauses. It's been a tough season for them, but they have been consistently very good and it's paying off for them now. And I just can't wait for this matchup. It's yeah, I'm yeah, this is gonna be so much fun. Uh, I mean, Southwest Conference, you got history there. I think it was obviously 35 years since the last Houston one, I want to say 70 since the last Baylor Final Four. Like, it's a lot of history going on. Obviously, you got the battle for Texas, right? You got all of that stuff going on. Um, it's so many storylines going into this that just make it so much fun. Uh, when UCLA won, it became West Coast versus Texas, right? No matter what uh, championship matchup we get, which is gonna be interesting. Um, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned a little bit of Chama Chachua. I think I'm curious if they decide to go to him a little more than Mark Vital. I don't want to say more than Mark Vital, but if they want to add a little bit more size to crash the yeah. boards a little bit better. Um, and Vital's a good you know, rebounder. I want to say they're probably they might even be even in terms of numbers, but just to make it a little bit more difficult for Houston to give them a bigger body to deal with if they go with that like Mitchell Butler Teague, uh, Mayor Ch- Chama Chachua lineup, right? Where it's just like. Okay, let's put a six nine mayor to space the floor. Let's put Chamo Chachua six eight yeah. and just have bigger bodies out there to kind of uh, make it a little bit more difficult. So, uh, yeah, the the matchups are going to be interesting. Vital versus Gorham starting yeah. off the game is going to be a freaking bloodbath. Uh, if they don't call fouls, the, those two are just going to be banging each other every single time down the court. Um, man, I I can't wait for it. I've like we said, like I said, I'm taking Baylor. I don't know if I'm taking Baylor minus five, but that is uh, that's gonna be a hell of a game. Just what a game! Saturday at four fourteen, four fourteen. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. It's four fourteen p.m. Central yeah, so time. <laughs> so uh, have have your DVR set, and uh, let's let's get are, it. Man. Are you, yeah, definitely. This is gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, let's. Are you taking? Uh, let's just put it this way. Uh, are you taking UCLA? <laughs> Uh, the, the line is Gonzaga minus, uh, minus 14 and a half. And that's what I'm debating game. right now. That's <laughs> what I'm debating. I think I'm going to take, I don't know. I don't know if I'll take Gonzaga to cover that, but that I, I'm, oh, I'm that, taking Gonzaga to, to get to the championship in a final four. It's crazy. 14. Oh the thing is God. if they would have played Michigan after watching Michigan UCLA last night, I don't think it would have been much different. It might've been like 10 and a half. Right. Like, Jeez. like we're gonna blow anybody out here at this. Point. Honestly, like that that USC game might have me taking Gonzaga to cover that because I thought USC would give them something. I thought they were and a perfect matchup for them. Th- they had size, they had length, they had shooting. Nothing. It didn't matter. Like that's my ultimate fear. Um, is that this is just an unbeatable Gonzaga team? 
Yeah. It's just like this is just a year where it's like, oh, they were just so much better than everybody in the country. Yeah. I'm I'm and holding out hope. Off this. Yeah, I'm holding out hope that Baylor has one more great shooting night in them. And I'm that's they're, that, they're gonna need it, man. And that's what could that's what could happen. Because like I said, to be Houston, they have a lot of avenues here. They could oh, muck yeah. it up a little bit. Against Gonzaga, there's only one avenue, and Gonzaga has is the one with the multiple avenues there. So um <laughs> I, I'm hopeful that Baylor has one more shoot great shooting night in them, but that would be a great matchup. And I think Houston Gonzaga would be a really fun matchup. I think like so said, interesting. It would be really, really unique. But mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Gonzaga's Gonzaga. So we'll sure. we'll preview whoever they play um later. I mean, well, actually, no, but it's on Monday. I forget that it's Saturday, Monday as oh games. yeah. So I uh, I don't know. Maybe it depends on how good the Baylor Houston game is, you know. Maybe yeah, play, maybe we might play. do it. We might do an instant reaction to that. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. But we'll yeah. see. Um anything else, Ish? uh nah man i think we're good uh, all right well be sure to check out the women's basketball podcast we're doing as well uh follow check out all the stuff on texasbasketball.com follow us on twitter at dave at d yeah no wait dave wait what is it? dct basketball dct basketball <laughs> there you DCT go basketball uh me <laughs> at matthew green underscore ish at ishmael r johnson and yeah leave us a five-star rating and review on apple podcast and subscribe tell your friends and it is closing time here for the men's basketball in texas i'm just glad we're gonna have someone in the championship that's that's all i'm happy about right but but we will see uh thanks for joining us and we'll talk to y'all later